If you've got your Bibles, open to Psalm 23. We'll do that. Yeah, I just gave some stuff away, didn't I? I wasn't supposed to do that. How many of you are getting our emails from fasting? Would you raise your hand for the fasting emails? If, you, if you're not getting those, you want to get the remaining 10 days. They're, they're amazing. Our staff is the one who is actually doing that. It's been, it's been incredible. Cheryl started it. I think I came behind Cheryl. Liz came behind me. And then, and then, uh, and then Justin Clark came out. And you, you just can't believe that a drummer, a drummer's that deep. I mean, that was hard, hard to believe, but it was pretty amazing, Justin Clark. And then uh, Nicole, and then, no, then Brock, then Nicole, then Michelle Clark this morning wrote a sermon. I wanted to preach that. I mean, it was amazingly good. And um, it seems that this week there's been a tendency to, um, to uh, get in the Psalms. You can tell it's spring. My nose has started. Uh, but, yeah, to get into the Psalms, and they're, and they're just so good. They're just so good. And, and I was reminded as I'm reading the Psalms and reading what David is writing in the Psalms about how, how much he loved God and how much hope he had, how much joy he had. For being in relationship with God, you know, just just the 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 sheer thrill that he did life with because he was in relationship with God. And um, over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking. Uh, first of all, Brandon brought an incredible message a few weeks ago about holiness and and being set apart to God to to be on mission to God and what He called us to do. And then last week, I came back and just talked about Jesus' last prayer the prayer of oneness, that we'd be one with him like he is with the Father, that we'd be all about that, that oneness thing. And, uh, and as, I, as I see that and as we preach that, it seemed to be heavy in the room. There seemed to be a heaviness because it's almost like we got caught. I mean, I, I felt that way a couple of times. How many of you have, an, have trouble um, with being wrong? Besides the pastor, how many have trouble admitting that that you were wrong? There ought to be a lot more hands up than that. <laughs> Being wrong is one thing, but then actually admitting it is something else, totally different. And 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 I think those two messages got us to see ourselves soberly, and it seemed heavy. But I just want to bring a couple of things out into the open. First of all. One of the best passages that we can relate to this idea is Isaiah. When Isaiah uh, had revelation, he, he saw himself as God saw him. He had this revelation. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips among a people. In other words, I'm a mess. My bad self is a mess. And I'm a, bunk, a bunch of people whose bad self is a mess. And I realized that. And then and God says, he sees this vision where the angel comes and grabs the coals off the, the fire, which is a purifying agent, puts it to his lips and says, I got this. And as soon as Isaiah realized that God had this, he was good. He says to the Lord, okay, cool, send me. There's this response, this like totally opposite of what it was just a minute ago. And so hopefully what I want to do today is I want us to get us to respond to God rightly because I want us to accurately begin to assess not only God's love for each one of us, 
but how much he desires you to love him equally. And so as I read the Psalms, what you see in the Psalms is, is revelation. You see this tremendous revelation of the love of God that David understood. And I love what Michael said. He just happened to hear the first sermon, the first service. And so he, he sang this deal about David being in the field writing music. But, but, but what we do is we, acad we, we academia takes over in our mindset and we get, we get uh, intellectual in our pursuit of Scripture oftentimes. And we forget that there's this kid in a field with a bunch of sheep expressing his knowledge of God back to God and to us. And he's doing it playing a guitar where nobody can even hear him. So it's probably incredibly intimate moments that we see that David is penning these songs back to the Lord. But the thing that you need to understand about David and him penning these songs is it's born out of community. It's born out of relationship with God, his love for the Lord and his understanding of God's love for him. There's a tremendous understanding of that. There's another man in Scripture that we're going to talk about this morning. His name was Abraham. In James, it says about Abraham that he was called a friend of God. And he was called a friend of God because he believed God and he had faith. And so there's this place that we know that we can be a friend of God because God says about Abraham that he was a friend of God. And if you'll look at the Gospels and you'll see Jesus talks to the disciples. And he says to the disciples, uh, after he sees the fruit of their, their understanding who God is and their they're listening to Jesus' words, and then they begin to do it. Jesus said, you've heard all the words that the Father said, and, and, and you believe them, and, you, and you're doing them. And so in that relationship opens up a different relationship with God, and that's what I want you to see this morning, is that different relationship with God. Jesus said to the disciples, I no longer call you slaves, I call you friends. And the reason I call you friends is because you heard the word, you received it, and you did it. And you go, wow, I can be a friend of God. And that's what I want us to understand from these two relationships. There's not really many places in Scripture where God calls us a friend. But let me just tell you this, and this is what I want you to get, get this morning, because it's hard for me to get. So if it's hard for me to get, I, I, I just assume it's kind of hard for you to get. And that is this, God can be impressed with you. God can be impressed with you. Now, he's not impressed with you because of your skill or your talent. He's not impressed with you because of the power you possess. He's not impressed with you because of your intellect. He's only impressed with those who know him, receive his love, understand his love, and begin to practice his love. It, it, it's, this, it's this relationship with him that he's impressed with. Let, let, me, let me give you some examples of this impression. With David. David is, is a guy that we know. <laughs> he was a mess, David was. Wouldn't you agree with me? I mean, David sees this good-looking woman taking a bath. He was where he shouldn't have been. And he did it on purpose. 
Why? So he could watch this guy's wife take a bath. Right? And then he says, hmm, I have the power. Go get her. Bring her to me. So he has an adulterous affair with this woman. She becomes impregnated with the child. He understands that he is about to get caught. And so he makes this plan to have this woman's wife killed. Husband, thank you. I was just trying to be politically correct for the moment. But I'll get that right. Cut that part out of the film right there. <laughs> Whew, see, y'all get y'all mess up in normal life. I mess up with a mic. So, <laughs> so he has her husband, thank you so much, Anna, her husband murdered, right? That David. But Nathan comes to David and brings this prophetic word. And David could, as king, could have just killed the prophet. Didn't like the word? Out of here. Nathan was taking a risk even going to David. David could have made every kind of excuse of why he did what he did. But instead of making that excuse, what he did was saw himself like Isaiah did and went, Whoa, it's me. And then he realized the salvation of the Lord. And in a moment, he was back right with the Father because he aligned himself in an instant with the ways and the will of God. And this is what God says about David. He said, because your heart, he says, you're a man after my heart. Why? Because no matter how dumb you are, or the dumb things you do, stupid's not a person, it's an event. David just had a few events. And, and, so, and so no matter you know, what decision you made, no matter what you've done, no matter whether you're a, a, a murderer, a, a somebody who steals, no matter whether you're a liar, no matter whether you're a sexual pervert, doesn't matter what you are, as long as you see that and realign yourself with me, you're a man after my heart, or a woman. And I see that in you, David. Now listen. Listen to what he does. So I see that in you, David. And so from generation to generation to generation, you're, you're going to be the one that everybody says that the Messiah is the son of. I'm going to take the one who was with me when I created the world, the son, that's going to make himself a little lower than the angels, and that it's going to come for the redemption of the men, and I'm going to put on him the name that says, this is the son of David. The son of David! Because he's impressed me with his heart. Wow. You go, wow. He impressed me with his heart. And so the Son of Man, and Jesus, when Jesus was walking the earth, people would say, is that the Son of David? Could this be the Son of David? And I know it's, an, it's a lineage but why was the lineage? Because Israel was never better off 
than it was with David. The church was never better off than it was with David because David had a heart for God. He, had, he, had, he repositioned himself no matter what his mistakes are. I'm reminded today, Pastor Alex, the Lord says to me, if you'll just, if you'll just make sure that you position yourself where you're teachable, Whereas I reveal myself that you respond rightly to me, I'm going to call you friend. You're going to be my friend. Jesus said about the disciples again, because you've received all this revelation and because you've accepted it, believed it, and responded to it, you are no longer a slave. You're a friend of God. Wow. Abraham, our other example, is a pretty off-the-chart kind of example. Abraham is living a nice, quiet life, doing good. And God says, listen, I want you to leave everything that you're comfortable with. And I want you to go to this place that you don't know. And I want you to learn how to follow me. And so he calls Abraham, and Abraham goes. And he gets out there, and Abraham really messes up. Abraham kind of messes things up. He, he hears a word from the Lord, and then he gets impatient with God because God's not doing it fast enough. I think I heard from you. I know I heard from you, God, and yes, I am, so I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to make this thing happen myself. And he creates Ishmael, which God does not even recognize later on in Scripture. He creates this Ishmael, which is this, this thing that's born out of impatience from waiting on God. You've never done that, I'm pretty sure. You've never got these problem childs or problem things or anything else in your life because you got out in front of God because you thought you heard him and he hadn't responded fast enough, so you took control and did all this stuff on your own. <laughs> and that's who is called a friend of God. He's one of the only other ones. Well, let me just give you the deal. The deal is he grew in his understanding of God. God tells us in the New Testament to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That there's this process of growth that we're supposed to be on that, that as a friend, as a community, a person in community with God. Abraham finally has Isaac after he's messed up so many different times. And God says, this is what I want you to do, Abraham. I want you to take your son, your only son. That's what God says to Abraham after Ishmael. I want you to take your only son. I want you to take him to the mountain. It's the son of promise, by the way. <laughs> Take him to the mountain, and we're going to sacrifice there. And so it says about Abraham that the next morning, now first of all, we really got to come to an understanding that Abraham had enough confidence in his ability to hear God to leave the next day. That's huge. Do you have enough confidence in your ability to hear from your friend, God the Father? That you can respond with confidence and begin to embark on the journey that he's called you to, even though you don't know the end of the story. 
Well, God, if you just tell me, tell me all of it, I'll go. Tell me all of it and I'll do it. It just doesn't happen. So I want you to embark on the journey. So Abraham embarks on the journey the next day. He grabs Isaac, who's a, a teenage lad. They, they go to the mountain where they're going to sacrifice, which is the same place that Jesus is sacrificed later, by the way, just to give you some information. And they go up there, and Isaac asks the $10 million question. Where's the sacrifice, Dad? Now, I want you to understand that, that Abraham had to have insight from the father because he was his friend. And then he had to have confidence in his nature. And he had to know his character. And he had to know who he was to even embark. But then when he gets there and he's about to go on the mountain, it says about him in the New Testament that Abraham even knew that if he sacrificed his son, that God was able to raise him from the dead. He knew this because he had already seen Jesus. He had all this information because he was a friend of God and he, it was revealed to him and he believed it and he responded to it. And he goes to this mountain and his son says, Daddy, where's the sacrifice? And he says to his son, Son, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. He'll provide. He believed it. He responded to it. And James says about Abraham that that was accounted to him as faith. And because he walked in faith, he was no longer a slave. He was the father of faith. He was blessed. And he was a friend of God, proclaimed by God. And so when I look at this, I, I see... Some common things, we haven't even opened a scripture yet. I see some common things that David does. And, and, the, and the first common thing that I want you to see is he, 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 he gets to the place where he's able to receive the love of God. This morning, I want to encourage you. You serve an incredibly loving God who wants good for you. And you've got to really buy into that. You, you've got to understand that. You, you, you've got to know that about him. And that he only wants good for you. And that he wants to lead you into goodness. He, he wants to lead you into a place of prosperity. He wants to lead you into a place that you could never go on your own. And so this week, Psalm 145 was sent out, and it's really good, and I've got it in the message, but I'm not going to read it this service. Go home and read it. It's really good in the message, by the way. But I am going to do Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 23. And the reason I want to do Psalm 23 is because we so oftentimes associate Psalm 23 with dying. <laughs> it's always at funerals, <laughs> and it's not meant for funerals. It is a reminder to those that are still living that this is who our God is. And this is what I want you to understand about this, what David does. David is describing the attributes of God. He is, he is, he is starting to let us know who his God is. And 
and what he, what he means. And he believes it, and he orders his life to it. You've got to remember that he is a shepherd, right? He knows the responsibility and the, uh, uh, the, the job tasks of a shepherd. And he's in this field, and he's writing this song, and he says this, The Lord, Jehovah, is my shepherd. I shall not want. I won't have any needs. I don't have any needs because the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, if we know anything about the Lord and we know anything that we've been doing, we know that the Lord's love is directive. It directed us. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. This actually means in tender grass. This, this is like, the salad bar of, uh, bar of salad bars. I mean, what he's saying here is, is he, he leads me to the place of abundance. You know, you're, you're talking about Israel. You're talking about rocks and dust. God leads me to the place that I can actually get what I need. He just said in Scripture, here's the God that I serve. The God I serve, I don't have any needs. Why? Because he leads me to the place where my need can be met. He, he, that's who my God is. Because he's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. He leads me to green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, the place of rest. Still waters is a place of rest. He, he takes me to a place where I can see striving. He takes me to a place where I'm not stressed out. He takes me to a place where I'm not anxious. He takes me to a place, again, of abundance and prosperity where my needs are met. That's where my shepherd takes me. He is reporting right now to me and you. What David is doing is he starts this song and saying, this is the God I serve. Know the God I serve. He's the need meter. When I call on him, he shepherds me, takes me to the place that I want to be. He leads me in the path of righteousness so I'll look like him. He, he makes me look smart because he wants me to be a good representation of who he is. He leads me to the place of right thinking and right doing so he gets a good reputation. That's what he's saying. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden it turns. <laughs> he's in this place. And listen, he's in this place. He's in a field. He's a kid. He's playing a guitar. He's in an intimate moment. The stars are probably out. It's probably evening. The sheep are probably relaxed because he's relaxed. He's playing a guitar. He's one-on-one -on -one with his God. He begins to sing a song to you and me about the nature and the character of his God. And all of a sudden, he goes vertical because he was just horizontal. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord is on him in such a degree that he goes straight up. <laughs> he says, Yea, thou walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For you, O oh God, 
He's not talking to me and you. He's talking to the Lord. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They, they assure me. They make sure I'm going the right direction. They realign my vision. They push me to the right way. They comfort me. They bring me to a place of rest because I can trust you. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Your anointing is on my life. The only other place that this talks about is the priesthood. You anoint my head with oil. You, you give me power. You give me creative solutions. You give me everything I need. It is your hand. It's your grace that's upon my cup. Is so full that it's overflowing with your anointing on my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a testimony and, a, and an understanding of, of who his God is. He knows his God is a directive God, it's a protective God, it's a corrective God. Don't you want a good God that will actually change your direction when you're about to go into a place that's going to bring you harm? That's not going to be good for you. Why, don't, why do we resist when the rod of God and when the staff of God gives us a little nudge so we'll actually go to green pastures? So that we can actually come into a place of still waters. But it's only born as you know God. This, this friendship with God is born out of revelation. And so it's, it's up to you. It's up to me. One of the things that I told the first service just a little bit ago. In direct proportion to your pursuit of the love of God, you will find it. Everything about God hinges on you. You know, God goes after the, the one sheep over the 99. He, he's chasing everybody. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. And so his spirit is wooing, but he knows whose heart will actually come to him. And he's wooing the whole world. But he doesn't chase them. He doesn't go after the prodigal in the pig pen. He is standing there gazing, waiting on the coming. And his arms are there open wide because he wants the restoration to happen. He's provided the sacrifice. He's provided everything necessary to be redeemed back to relationship with him. And he's saying, come. All who are heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Knock. And the door will be open. Seek. And you'll find. Everything about our relationship with the love of God is on us. Come, he says. Receive. Enter my friendship. 
And as we enter into this friendship, as we receive him, and as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of his love, he reveals more and more information about his nature and his character. And the only way that doesn't happen is if we resist the love of God. And he says those who resist on a continuous basis, who make a habit of resisting, end up being enemies of God. Where he wants us to be friends. He wants us to be friends with him. Listen to the information. Now, this is David. The, the one who had an adulterous relationship, who murdered who was in denial. This was David who had multiple wives and multiple sons for multiple wives who created one of the most dysfunctional family environments ever possible. Can you imagine running from your kid who's trying to kill you to get your kingdom? And he's got a whole group of people that's on his side to help kill you. That's right after you ran from another king who was trying to kill you for about 10 years. That David. The one that Jesus said, or the father said, about you, <laughs> everybody will say, you're the father, this is the son of David, the lineage of David. 1,000 years before Christ's birth, David knew this about Jesus. So everybody say a thousand years. A thousand years. How long has this country been in existence? Two hundred and what? Two. Somebody's got to be good at math. Two what? Two twenty-four. 224, 224 years this country, we're talking a thousand years. Information that he shouldn't have, you know that's a spiritual gift? See, God's still the same God. He still wants to do this kind of stuff with us. But why? Because we're friends of his. Because you're friends of God. He knew that Jesus would be called the son of God. He knew that children would be praising Jesus. He knew that Jesus would be declared the ruler of all. He knew that Jesus would rise from the dead. He knew that Jesus would be forsaken by God on the cross. He knew that his enemies would, would, would persecute him. He knew that his hands and his feet would be pierced. He knew that they would cast lots for his clothes. He wrote about all this in the Psalms as the revelation of the friend of God was exposed. He knew that his bones would be broken. He knew that he would be falsely accused. He knew that he would be hated without cause. He knew that he would delight in the will of God. Last week we understood that Jesus said about himself, his will, doing his will and accomplishing the purpose in which he sent me is my food. A thousand years, David said, he will delight in God's will, the Father's will. He will be betrayed by a friend. He will be called the eternal king. He will ascend into the heavens. He will be zealous for God's house. He will be given vinegar and gall at the cross. He will pray for his enemies. Father, they know not what they do. 
He, his betrayer will be replaced by Paul. He rules over his enemies, a priest forever, the chief stone, the cornerstone of God's house, the church, the building. <laughs> he comes in the name of the Lord on the donkey. You've got to be impressed with the friendship of God the Father with David. Jesus said the same about the disciples. When we look at the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, we see that there are many of them that wants to give us information that we shouldn't have. That God wants to come into friendship with us. And I love the aspect that Jesus says about the disciples. When you didn't have this information, you are a slave. But because you've got this revelation and now you're adhering to it in your life, you're, you're my friend. And so we really can sing, I am a friend of God. That song used to bug the snot out of me for so long. Because... It requires intimacy and understanding of the love of God and a willingness to be changed by it. It's not just an easy song to sing. It doesn't need to be taken lightly because I don't think it's, I think it's, it's not like it's difficult to get into, but it requires diligence. It, it requires want. And so when we look at David and we look at his life and we look at Abraham and we look at his life, we see Abraham with Isaac and David, how he saw Jesus, God, how he calls David or Jesus, the son of David. And then I don't know how we got into the practice of it, but the church seems to want to be doing life on its own. How many are, are tired of trying to do and fight your own battles? Anybody in the room tired of trying to fight your own battle? Oh, my goodness. You know, we don't understand that God's our sword, Cheryl. He's our sword. He's the one who does the fighting for us. We try to live life in our own strength and name the name of Jesus when Jesus says, I, I'm the one who does your battle. How do you fight your battle? You depend on the Lord. You, you get to know his love for you. You understand his love for you. And then you're able to move in it with a confidence. And as you move in confidence in the love of God, he reveals more and more about who he is to you. And, and then you are able to proclaim what David proclaimed in your life and live more and more confidently in the love of God. And so that is the number one attribute that David and Abraham had that brought them into this place of friendship. They loved the Lord. You know, John says about himself, John says, I'm the one that Jesus loved. Remember? Y'all seen that in, in the book of John? John didn't need to tell you that. John was just describing, he understood that he, he was loved by Jesus. It's not this identity that he had that nobody else had. It was just a revelation that God had about the love of God. And so he moves in that. And then he understands that all power comes from God. 
And if, if, all, if, if everything's motivated by the love of God, which is said in Psalm 23, and everything is understood that there is nothing but the power of God, which is in Psalm 24, then we have to understand and believe in our hearts that everything God wants to do in our lives is good. The only missing link that you could have is you have a wrong view of God and you don't believe that everything God's got for you is good. That's the only way they can rob our hope. It's the only thing that can stand between us and God if, if we don't believe that he has good for us. That he is going to actually lead us to green pastures. That he will take us to a place of rest. You know, I'm thinking CC and the brother over here. You know, when we lose somebody that's close to us, it's, it's difficult. But we understand that God is the comforter. Even in the midst of hard times, he comforts us through it. And it doesn't make the hard times go away. But if we try to do it on our own, it gets rough. And we have to understand that God's good. And if we're still here, he's still got purpose for us. And you have to work your way through those processes. They don't happen without the process of trusting and leaning and knowing the love of God. And that he is good. And so this morning, he's calling me to make sure that I am teachable. He's asking Pastor Alex, are you teachable? Are, are you still, do you still want to respond to me? Do you want to respond to me quickly? Or do you? Do you still want to claim the right to be right? Do you want to be like Isaiah and go, Oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. Okay, send me. That's the way I want to be. I want to see the truth. I just want to be the guy who goes to God real quick. Because I don't expect to be perfect, but I do have the ability to respond. I want to be that. So I know i got to respond. And I've got to really know and understand the love of God towards me. And so do you. You really have to understand that he loves you. And that anything that is contrary to what he has for you is going to bring you harm in the long run. You know, I think, I think it's just kind of crazy that God says about sin that it's fun. He says it. It's fun for a season. Right? But it's the but that'll get you. Right in the <laughs> backside. It'll get you. You have to pay the consequences because its fruit it bears is not good. <laughs> right? He wants you to bear good fruit. And so what he do, he'll, he'll just guide you into a right place. Say, so this is the right place to go. This is the right thing to do. And so, and so we have to understand that we can't resist God. We've got to respond. The second thing is that his power is able to take care of our circumstance. We've got to believe that about our God, that he's a majestic God, that he still works miracles today. You've got to believe that. He did it all in Scripture, and they don't stop talking about that's his nature and character. That's who he is. And that it is his power who actually does it. 
David said that he has to do the fight. God says we can do nothing without him. And then he says nothing's impossible with God. But I think the biggest thing that we've got to do is we've got to formulate the fact that God is good. You've got a lot of people today that say about God that he is a manipulating, he is, he is a non-tolerant God. And they might not say it at that abruptly, but that's, that's what they mean. He's, he's, he's a God that doesn't tolerate. And the truth of the matter is, he doesn't tolerate sin. But the truth of the matter is, too, there's none without sin. But what he's looking for is a heart that'll say yes to him. And so, what I think he wants us to deal, to deal with us on today, this is it. Michael, come on. Watch how that works. Let's see if that works. Um, what's your view of God? What do you? He's coming. He's coming. What's your view of God? Come on. Y'all can watch me and not watch them, can't you? I, I bet you can't. <laughs> How much do you resist? And do you believe that he really does have something better for you? And do you care enough to ask him questions? Do you care enough to really wait on him? Or are you going to go do whatever you're going to do when you're going to do it? I mean, what is your posture with God? And how well are you doing? And are you chasing him in his word? Those are great questions to ask. And you've got to be able to answer them soberly. But what he doesn't want you to do, he, he wants you to understand that he's called you to holiness. He's called you to oneness with him. But he's called you to respond with joy. And the reason you can respond with joy is you've got to know in your heart that you've got victory and purpose and power and prosperity in everything you do because he's going to lead you to green pastures because he's good. And if you don't believe those things, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. But if you do believe them, he's going to call you a friend. And he's going to reveal more and more and more to you. How many would say, I really want to hear more from God? How many would say that? I really want to hear more from God. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure his response this morning is yes. It's yes. He wants to speak to you. He wants to reveal his love towards you. He wants you to prosper in every way. He wants to lead you to green pastures. And he wants you to do it in a state of rest. That doesn't sound like our culture, does it? <laughs> Sounds like kingdom culture. Why don't we stand? Mm -hmm.